Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. We are proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN as we go live. And we thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back again on Monday, really early in the show, because it's time for Matt to go watch some Stranger Things. Like, I don't know, we know the Chargers are going to be good. Broncos are probably going to be really good, too. That's really all we need to say, right, Matt? Like, you want to... Yeah, I'll give you two. Yeah, two minutes on the Broncos. I'll take two minutes on Justin Herbert, and then we'll, we'll call it a show. Don't draft Melvin Gordon. I'm done. You know, I ended up with him actually <laughs> in a. Um, I think I may have talked about. We were, I probably talked about this off air with you and Dennis. It's a 2014 two copy league. Um, it was an mm-hmm. auction startup um, with a lot of really really smart people, and I ended up with Melvin Gordon. I didn't. I got him for like five bucks, so I don't hate that I got him there for like no. a because it's best ball too, so I don't have to worry about who I start. It's just best week. I'm sure Melvin Gordon's going to give me some weeks that he goes into my starting lineup. So you know, I don't. I don't hate it at the price. I mean, in reality, I kind of you will get to it down there. It's not terrible. I just yeah. I still wish I yeah, wish you would have chosen the Ravens. I, I'd yeah. be honest. All right, so we've got. Um, I thought we maybe talked about this on Monday. Did we not? Did Terry McLaurin sign his deal after? No, Monday? he signed it after. Yeah, he signed it like Tuesday. okay. So Terry McLaurin, maybe it's just because I did Canton Bound with Colin last night, and that was what we spent most of the news talking about yesterday. So that's probably why I did not realize that I was uh, talking about that, or I talked about that with him. I didn't realize. I know you and I, you and I are alternating because you did Canton Bound with Colin, and I'm doing Canton Bound with Austin. So. I mean, Collins is a much better host, and it's okay for me to say that because Austin's not going to listen to this anyway, so he's not going to know that I said that. But Austin and I will have more fun, though. That may be true. You guys have uh, Brandon Sanders jumping on with you, too. Yeah. He's also very smart when it comes to college stuff, so it, it'll be fun. to. Uh, I, I can't wait to check that episode out. Let's see if, if Colin catches any strays from Austin in that episode. But Terry McLaurin does sign a new deal with the Commanders. Three years, $71 million. Matt, what are what are your thoughts on this? Uh, obviously, gets to now stay there. There's a lot of rumors he may have been traded. I actually kind of like the rumors of him going to Green Bay with what we've seen Aaron Rodgers do with Devontae. But where where we are here now, he is staying with the Commanders. Uh, Washington going into this season, you know, they have some stability. There was a group of wide receivers where there's been a concern about are they going to report? Are they going to play? You know, Metcalf was in there, Debo was in there questions about Terry. So now you know he's going to report. 
there's a lot of optimism about Carson Wentz and what he could potentially bring. They, you know, they went and got Dotson, potentially Curtis Samuels healthy. They have some decent running backs. The NFC is a little more wide open, so you have to feel good about that. And if you're Washington, you know you have your number one receiver locked up for a few years. Yeah, I, I like the move of um, locking Terry up for the next few years, even if um, Wentz doesn't end up being the guy. He, you know, if he ends up being one and done in Washington, you know, it that would be unfortunate. But Terry's had some pretty good seasons. I think Wentz is the best quarterback he's played with. Um, at least for any kind of a little, I still think Fitzpatrick might be better, but that was like well, for one Fitzpatrick, quarter. Fitzpatrick would, I think he would have been, I, I, but you know, he, he wasn't going to be the long-term solution. Wentz at least has an opportunity to set, get set in there for the next few years. But even if he doesn't and they go somewhere, uh, you know, they bring in another veteran next year. Who knows? Daniel Snyder may not even own the team by next year. Um, and maybe they get somebody I mean, in. It might not uh, even be Wentz this year. It might be Bruning's boy, Sam Howell. Yeah. Uh, I love me some Sam Howell. Don't say that. <laughs> um, but, you know, no, I like, I, you know, you got to, I don't think it's an exorbitant deal. Um, it didn't completely reset the market. I mean, it's a, he's making good money. Um I, I want to see what he can do with a, a better quarterback. I don't know if I'd say great quarterback, but definitely a better quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually don't think it's a bad – I don't think it's a bad f- quarterback for McLaurin. I mean, if you, who do you guys think is a better wide receiver, Terry McLaurin or um, uh, Michael Pittman Jr.? Michael Pittman Jr. By how much? Not by very much. Yeah, I'd exactly. probably give Pittman the edge, but but not by much. Yeah, he he boosted Michael Pittman up to wide receiver seventeen last year. They're gonna throw just as much because they don't have Jonathan Taylor or that offensive line, or really even that good of a defense in Washington. So, I mean, we gave Car we we give Carson Wentz a lot of crap, and I don't want to say he's a great quarterback, but even in fantasy scoring for us, he was a he was a high end quarterback too last year as well. Like he's not as bad as we make him out to be. He's not. Great from a NFL perspective, in fact, that he throws a lot of interceptions. He has turnovers. But for fantasy, what we really care about, he was he was good last year. He boosted up Michael Pittman. And I think, again, with that, well, you got Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson Jr., J.D. McKissick. Like, none of those guys, I don't think all three of those guys combined are going to be as good as Jonathan Taylor. So you're going to lean on a guy like Terry McLaurin. I think wide receiver 17 or higher is in his range of outcomes. I mean, his – Best season was wide receiver nine, and then his worst season was wide receiver 27. We haven't really seen him. He's finished more often than not as a wide receiver two. He He's not been, outside of that one really good season, he's not been as good as we boost him up to be. It's something me and Colin talked about last time on Canton Bound and McLaurin. And, but that has also been with you guys just mentioned, bad quarterback play. Like, he gets a guy, Carson Wentz, so say what you want about him. He's going to be consistent, and he's going to feed McLaurin the ball. He's always done that. He's got one target, he feeds the ball. So I think McLaurin's going to be just fine. And if Washington does suck this year, you know, I just, Matt Miller put out a, a mock recently, 2023 mock. I believe he had them. I don't remember who he had them taking. I don't know. Maybe they didn't take a quarterback, but 
if they're really bad, then they'll be in the hunt to get a quarterback this year. Top five, they could get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, and then that'll definitely improve McCorin's stock. So I think it was a good move for him. Like I said, I, I'd have loved to see him get traded to Green Bay, as all the rumors said. That did not happen. So say la vie, we're here. I think he's going to be just fine. Did I do that right? I, did, I mean, I'm trying to, awesome. I was, I was working on that. I've been, it's in my notes to just kind of casually toss that in at some point. All right. So we are talking do, about, do you know what it means though? I have no idea what it means. That's all. Such is life. Such is life. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know that. Now, when someone asked me, I'm like, yeah, I mean, such is life. Did you know that? And so, you know, I'm more like curious about how is it spelled on his sheet? I didn't know it's not spelled. I have a copy of the quote from a movie. I have no idea how to, I, I spelt it out. So I know how to say, cause I still don't know how to say uh, many players uh, correct last names. So we are talking about the AFC West today. We're wrapping that up. We've got the Los Angeles chargers and the Denver Broncos who finished third and fourth in the division last season. The chargers finished with a nine and eight record. Um, obviously just missing out in the playoffs, losing that last game to the Las Vegas Raiders. Their key departures, Justin Jackson, Jared Cook, and Chris Harris. Key additions, they brought over Gerald Everett at tight end, J.C. Jackson at cornerback, Bryce Callahan at cornerback, Kyle Van Noy at linebacker, and obviously the trade for Khalil Mack. Their key rookie that they brought in was Isaiah Spiller at running back. Dennis, how do we feel about the backfield split right now with Isaiah Spiller there, knowing that Austin Eckler has very openly said he is not a running back that wants to get 300 plus carries a season. Well, I'm not sure that Eckler wants to get 200 plus carries a season. So there's definitely going to be opportunity for Spiller to have standalone value. Um, I, I guess I would think along the lines of, um, you know, Kareem Hunt, but maybe a little more run heavy than pass heavy. Um, so, you know, if he, he could turn in a high-end RB3, low-end RB2 season. He's going to get some touches. He, I don't know that he's going to – I think the challenge is going to be that Eckler is really good at the goal line. So it's not like they're going to take Eckler out when they get in close. So, you know, I could see a Miles Sanders season for Isaiah Spiller. You know, 900 yards and no touchdowns or one touchdown with, you know, 30 passes, something like that. Something where you look at the playing time and you're like, how could this guy not score more points? But they're going to put Eckler in in the key situations. Um, Eckler will get the ball. So the opportunity is going to be there, but he's going to have to produce some big plays, I think, to make it happen. Um, if he gets four or five touchdowns, I think, most of them will be from outside of 10 yards because I feel like when they get down close, they're going to say, well, we, we're going to trust Eckler. Now, do I think Eckler is going to repeat 20 touchdowns? I don't think that is going to happen either. Um, Spiller has the talent, I think, to supplant Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly. So I'm not overly concerned with that. Um, but I think he'll have some high-end RB3 flex value. Yeah, I think the Chargers have a a fantastic roster, but I think um, running back is just one of a trend of positions we're going to look at here where, to me, they don't have – there isn't any value um, in fantasy because of their ADP. Spiller's going at RB40 for redraft and 35 for dynasty. 
I think that's about right. Eckler's going at RB2. I think that's probably a little high. I know that's where he finished last year, but it feel I you know, I would not be surprised to see him come further down. I think he still finishes an RB1, but to see him come a little bit further down and that's I I sort of agree with this. I think they're going to that Spiller's going to have some games where he produces a little bit. Um, probably won't be heavily involved in the in the goal line. I think he's a kind of going to be a deep league flex option, and probably finish in the RB three RB four range. Yeah, I, I mean, the I, thing that's sneaky is that Herbert had sixty three rushes last year, and Justin Jackson, who was second on the team, uh, only had sixty eight rushes. So you know, if Herbert, let's say he bumps up to seventy five. Now, the three backup running backs for for the Chargers had about 135 carries total. So I think if if uh, Eckler's total carries come down and Spiller takes the lead on that role, I could see him and Eckler splitting the carries pretty evenly with Eckler getting 100-plus targets. Yeah, the one thing with the Chargers, I feel like they rotate their guys a little bit more, even even when Eckler's in there. Um, but I, I do expect Spiller to to get a decent amount of work. I mean, I still had him as my third RB in this class. I know he did not test well. He fell in the draft, I believe, because of that. But overall, I still think he's a very, very good running back. You're getting him late, too, right? Like, his ADP is RB40 off the board at 119.1. Eckler's going off the board as, is that right, RB2? Wow. And the sleeper ADP, yeah. ADP of 9.7. That's that is I would not pay that price. I would much rather just take Isaiah Spiller and hope for the best. Yeah, I I still think Eckler's gonna be fine. That's why I said like the fan I think they're all gonna be good. But the fantasy value, if you're looking, you know, we've been trying to look where it where do you get a swinging deal? There might be one on the next team, but there isn't on on this team because they all have because we think they're going to be good, and they probably will be good, but that's where they're going. Yeah, I mean, Eckler, he's going to bring you value because of the catches, and I do think they'll deploy him there more than anybody else. I don't think Josh Kelly is that good doing that. Xander Horvath, you know, they've got Gabe Neighbors, Larry Roundtree. None of those guys are the receivers that Eckler is, so I do think they probably will use Isaiah Spiller more in a, you know, uh Running up the running up the gut of the the offensive line on first second down a little bit more, giving Eckler some more breathers to, since he does not want to have that many carries. But I don't know that you can trust him, man. I just I can't get over the fact that Eckler is his RB two. Like that's just that's ridiculous. I, I I don't even I don't even think I have him in my top ten. But say lobby right? I'm just gonna keep using it today. That's gonna be the name of the episode. All right. What do we expect from the Chargers passing game in 2022, Matt? I mean, obviously it was very good last year. Mike Williams kind of had that breakout before, unfortunately, getting hurt again, but then did come back on at the end of the season again last year. He's currently coming off the board as wide receiver 21 with an ADP of 7.1. Keenan Allen coming off the board as wide receiver 11 with an ADP of 47.3. Is it just those two for you? Is there anybody else that you would be considering? drafting for this uh passing offense 
Yeah, and it's probably just those two, and I actually think those ADPs are, are right about right. I think Keelan Allen's going to finish as a wide receiver one. I'm not sure Mike Williams gets all the way up to wide receiver one. Wide receiver feels so loaded this year, and with so many teams that were bullish on, I would feel better taking him as a wide receiver too. So I think those ADPs are fine and accurate to my expectations, but there's not a lot of value. Gerald Everett, out Gerald Everett as some other people I see is going as tight end 22. That's not a heinous spot. That's where I I think low end tight end too. You're always going to get guys, whether it be Josh Palmer or Jalen Guyton or somebody else who are going to pop off for games or two, but those are not guys you're going to feel comfortable starting. It's They're pretty locked in with Allen, Williams, and Eckler being viable starts, and even Justin Herbert. Who's going as QB3? He finished, I think, as QB2 last year. I think he can finish as QB2 again, but he's going right about where you'd expect. And I think he's going to deliver right about what you'd expect. Yeah. For for the wide receivers to outproduce their current ADP, uh, it's going to be, I mean, it'll be a phenomenal lift because the Chargers were third in pass attempts last season with 674. Uh, the Buccaneers had 731. So that's, you know, what about 55 more pass attempts, 57 more pass attempts to get to the top of the league. And there's always, you're right, Matt, there's always going to be that other guy that gets some action. You just don't know who it's going to be. And any given week, it's going to be Guyton, it's going to be Palmer, or it's going to be Spiller or it's going to be Parham, or it's going to be Everett. And, and those five guys are going to be the most frust- some of the most frustrating guys in fantasy football this year because I feel like people will be chasing points with them. And so they're one of them is going to go off, and you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to slide him into my flex next week. And then they're going to drop a goose egg or a one or a two. You know, and then you're going to be like, oh, I hate that guy. I'm never starting him again. And two weeks later, you know, they put up 14 or 15 points. You're like, all right, I'm putting him back in the lineup. I need a flex. Those five guys are going to be eternally frustrating. Um, I I feel I do feel that the opportunity is going to be there for uh, value to be on the Mike Williams side. I could see him rising into the low teens. Um having a low teens finish and push and that pulling Keenan Allen down. If I'm going for one of those two guys, I'm aiming for Mike Williams because I can get Mike Williams at an ADP of 71 versus an ADP of 47 for Keenan Allen. And so I'm probably going to be more willing to take that opportunity as opposed to Keenan Allen. If I'm drafting him at the end of the fourth, that's probably you know, my wide receiver one, and I think I can get better value at wide receiver one. Apparently I'm a hypocrite because I just looked at my, my redraft rankings. I have Mike Williams at wide receiver 14. <laughs> huh? well, I, I just choose to believe you were mistaken. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't have Williams that high. Um, Allen at six and Williams at 14. I've got... um. Well, I don't do redraft right now. We will definitely do those as we get closer to the season. My I only dynasty did it for ones, this. Gotcha. Yeah, my dynasty ones. I have Allen. I think at fifteen. When me and me and Colin talked about this the other night, I I'm still all in on Keenan Allen. He just gets hyper targeted by Justin Herbert. Dude's got phenomenal hands. Great route runner. 
I think he's one of the best. You get to see those camp hype videos every single year, right? Right <laughs> of him running routes, and everybody just talks about how good he is. I think he can, he's going to continue to do that for a couple more years. Williams is the interesting one to me. You know, 71, so what is that? Back end of the sixth round, right? Am I, am I doing my math here correctly? Let's find Yeah, it. 72 would be 12 full rounds. So you're that's probably good value, especially if he stays healthy. I mean, we did see him really kind of come on early on in the season. Then again, at the back end, back end, Gerald Everett is an interesting one for me at tight end. He, as Matt mentioned, he's coming off the board as tight end 22, his ADP of 163.1. I mean, Jared Cook got 83 targets last year. 83. He only was able to catch 48 of them. Like, I feel like Everett's going to be a tad bit better than that. He's a little bit younger. They've always kind of used the tight end in that offense. I don't, I, I, I look, I don't love it either, right? I don't love saying I want to be in on Gerald Everett, but we we talk about this all the time with tight ends, right? Like if you're not going to get one of those top three guys, maybe it extends down to four or five now with, with some of the younger guys coming in, like a Kyle Pitts who had that great season last year. There's not much that separates tight end like six through 24, right? So if I can get Gerald Everett at tight end 22 paired with future MVP Justin Herbert, I kind of feel like that's not a bad value, especially where he's going. I mean, 163, we're going to do really quick math again here. That is right around around 13. Like, that's great value, in my opinion. Like, if you could wait your entire draft and then draft Gerald Everett as your tight end one in round 13, if he hits it, even if he's just a top 10 tight end, like, that's a massive hit for you right there. And I think it's possible, again, with Jared Cook getting 83 targets. I mean, Jared Cook can't even couldn't even run last year. If Gerald Everett's your tight end one, I wish you the best of luck on your five and nine fantasy season. We will, we'll see. You know what? Just for that, I'm drafting Gerald Cook as my tight end one this year in my one Ray draft league, and watch me go win no, it again. You have back at least back. you have at least two because we'll have we'll have one for our show probably. Oh yeah. See, but that's a bad thing is damn. I'll better take Gerald Everett. I expect him to go sixth round. Sleeper, if you're listening, just turn away for a second. I hate sleeper and so i don't pay much attention to my leagues on sleeper unfortunately so but i'll draft him in there as long as nobody else comes in and snipes me on him i will definitely take him um in the 13th round too i will not take him beforehand because i clearly stated the value is the 13th round so i won't take him before them if he's there in the 13th round i don't care if jonathan taylor is still there on the board in the 13th round i will take gerald everett because I'm, I'm stating that now it's on the record and i will do good I'm not gonna say I'll win it, but I'll do good. My team. If you good. still see a Jonathan Taylor on the board in the 13th round, it's not a guy that plays for the Colts. Well, you never know. Maybe maybe he gets it's injured. Chicago Bears, Adrian Peterson situation. Who knows? <laughs> All right, That's so, happened to people though. They're no, like, sure. oh, I looked. <laughs> That that's uh that's when you that's when you hate life right there. It's it's one of those questions like really if you're sitting there in the thirteenth round and it's a redraft league and we haven't have any had any news that Jonathan Taylor's hurt, maybe you should triple and quadruple check that before you click the draft button, draft this player because he should not be on the board at that point. The one I will say that's been honestly tricky on sleeper for rookie drafts is there's Zamir White, but there's another Z White. Yeah, yeah, and. In the range where you're, where like I was thinking about taking Zamir White, you could make that mistake. 
That's why I always click on the name of the player to make sure I'm grabbing the right one because I don't want to be saddled with that big mistake. Justin Herbert, he is consistently ranked in the top three of most rankings that I've seen or looked at. He's coming off the board here as QB3 with an ADP of 4.9. Do either of you have him outside of your top three or top five? No. I, I sometimes draft him at quarterback two. Yeah, I have him as QB2. Would it be insane if he was QB1 this year? No, I mean, he was pretty, he wasn't that far off of Josh Allen. I just, he, Dennis mentioned he runs more than you think, but it would be if he could get more rushing touchdowns. Oh, wow. He was, what is that? My math is horrible. That is 22, 22 points behind Josh Allen. So mm-hmm. it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, he had three rushing touchdowns and 302 yards rushing last year. Well, See, so- Allen usually gets like, eight or nine rushing touchdowns, and that's where if Herbert got like four or five, his passing difference might be enough to bolt him. Well, I think that goes to, I've, I've brought that up. I, I swear I do too many podcasts. I don't know where I talk about this stuff at anymore. It's probably on Debbie debate. If you go look over the past, I want to say it's like five or six years, there's typically only four quarterbacks that rush for more than 300 yards in any season, and it's the guys you know. It's Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, whenever he was on the field and playing, and there's someone I'm forgetting that's going to sound really stupid now because I'm forgetting him, but they did it too. Um, Russell and Dak have run. Russell, for- yeah, D- Dak only had a little over 300 last year. Just he like there's a range. I know, but of his first few years, he oh was- yeah, yeah. Dak Dak was good for like 456 for like yeah. five straight years, and then he tore up his ankle. Which, you know, hey, when we get to Dallas, you know, Mike McCarthy says they're going to run it more. So I guess there's that. But there's typically you see that big group of quarterbacks that rush. It's like right in a 300 to 350 yard range and get a couple touchdowns. And that's what boosts those guys up. And then people talk about like Herbert. He's not really a rushing quarterback. He just brings you some rushing upside. He's, in my opinion, 300 yards. I mean, it's a lot for a quarterback, but it's not like. Anyways, I don't know where I was going with that at this point. I was just kind of rambling. So we'll just move on. The over-under for the Chargers is set at 10. Matt, we know that the Chargers just missed the playoffs in 2021. Do they correct that? Do they go over the 10 win total? I have them going over. I think they win the AFC West. I have not made a determination on whether or not they win the AFC West, but I have them over 10 wins. I have them over as well. I have them winning the AFC West. I have them winning the AFC. I have them winning the Super Bowl. And Justin Herbert's going to win two MVPs. This is it. My curse of the Dolphin tattoo will disappear after this year. And you get to see a lightning bolt on somebody's lower back? On my good friend Jeremy Barker. That is correct. Yes. He's going to win the regular season MVP and the Super Bowl MVP when he passes for four touchdowns. It was going to be the Browns this year. but Just a piece of advice. Yes. Uh, don't don't make any of those other bets for tattoos and stuff while you're all hyped up about winning the uh, Super Bowl bet here or MVP bet. Don't don't like you know it. If if you bet he could win that he's going to win the Super Bowl this year and you lose, you could end. Oh up no no one. I won't I won't make no, those bets. No no regrets tattoos. I just had it, you know, I've, I've always believed in Herbert more than Tua, so I felt like it was a fair bet to make. I, I don't make insane bets, I don't think. I mean, I did bet that if, 
Oh, now I got to remember. If Jaron Hall gets drafted in the first round this year, I will eat a ghost pepper live on our draft coverage because that's just not going to happen. Uh, but if it does, I guess you guys can watch me eat a ghost pepper live on our draft coverage. I mean, you and might live through that one. I I would I ask your wife actually, how she feels about the specter of a dolphin on your lower back about whether that was too far. It wasn't. Two was not good. So I was never worried about I've literally never been worried about that tattoo. It's I I said that with extreme confidence that I was going to be the winner of that bet because there was a like, if it never happens for either one of them, then it's a push, right? Neither one of us has to get the tattoo. But Let's I believe, check back in January when, unfortunately, Justin Herbert got injured in week I know, three. And the Miami Dolphins, Dolphins win the AFC season. Yeah, and are in the playoffs. And Matt's yeah. here every week. Yeah. You know what? It's going to be a sexy-ass Dolphins. Looking, looking for apartments in between. Now. Giving now, my wife's not looking at my lower back, so I'll be all right. I'm not, I'm not too worried about that part there. It's not like I got to get it, you know, invisible. It's not going to be visible. So anyways, um, no, the only other bad, I don't want to say it's a bad bet. If Quinn Ewers takes Texas to the playoffs, I'm going to wear a mullet for a full football season. That's not a bad bet. It's going to be fucking awesome. So not for your family. What are you talking about? Mullets are back, baby. At least down here in Texas, they are. So did they ever really leave in Texas? No, they really <laughs> did it. But now that Quinn's here, it's back again and it's sexy. And so, you know, the wife may not like it, and I may have to get forego sex for a year, but it'll be worth it. I'm gonna look damn good on this camera with a mullet. I'm gonna bleach it like Quinn Ewers does as well. I'm I'm gonna have fun with that bad boy. I'm honestly hoping Texas goes to the playoffs now, just because I want to make it happen. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. We've got a ton of Major League Baseball games going on right now. Golf, MMA, and more with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Everything and anything you need to get money. DraftKingsSportsbook.com is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet and get up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. Download the DraftKingsSportsbookApp.com, and again, use promo code TPPN at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP or 7867 in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369 in New York or visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call, text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and up or 18 and up in Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Anyways, the Denver Broncos. Russ Wilson does not 
have a bleached mullet, but he did get traded from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. And um, they had a lot of promise last season, right? Brought over Teddy Bridgewater. DraftKings and a lot of teams, I was looking at this earlier today, DraftKings believed in them. They had their over-under at 10 wins last year. So DraftKings was all in on Teddy Bridgewater and that Denver Broncos experience. They ended up going 7-10 and and finishing 4th in the AFC West. Their key departures were Teddy Bridgewater uh, goes to the Dolphins, Drew Locke to the Seattle Seahawks in a trade with Noah Fant, who also goes to the Seahawks. Kyle Fuller moves on to the Ravens and Bryce Callahan over to the Chargers. Their key additions, they get a new head coach in Nathaniel Hackett coming from Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay system. They get Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks in a massive trade. And then they get Randy Gregory and Quan Williams. Matt, we got to come to you here first. The Broncos finally get their quarterback. We know, we've talked about it, I feel like, for, for years. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. Obviously, Noah Fant's gone now, but they got King Albert. What is Russ going to be able to do for this offense? Are we finally going to be able to realize the potential we've seen for the past couple of years on paper? Yeah, and where we talked about the Chargers not having incredible fantasy value with their ADPs, it's almost the reverse for me with Broncos receivers. Jerry Judy's going as wide receiver 23. That That's fine. That's probably not incredible value. Sutton, who I love, who I think is more likely to be the kind of DK Metcalf player for Denver, is going as wide receiver 27. I think that's value. But the insane value to me is Tim Patrick going as wide receiver 63. Nobody works harder and does more of the little things than Tim Patrick. That's what's always endeared him to fans and to coaches. He – the. I know people think I just hate Jerry Judy, so I will say Jerry Judy is a talented player. What, to me, makes Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick better receivers, and I will stand behind this, is if you watch, Jerry Judy tends to sometimes mentally check out, and that is why he got in the doghouse with a couple of different offensive coaching for him, or he doesn't get involved. We've seen that with wide receivers before. He does not have the same kind of work ethic as somebody. He has more talent, I will give you, than Tim Patrick. But Tim Patrick is a hustler. He does what's needed. He's a great team first guy. Going at wide receiver 63, I don't think he's going to be have incredible stats, but I think he could finish as a wide receiver three or four and be flex-worthy every week. Um, I think that's great value. I still think Sutton ends up finishing as their top receiver. The only one... That seeing the ADP, I like King Albert, Albert Kuibunam, as much as anybody. Um, he had some moments last year. He's currently going as tight end 13. Possible, but feels a little bullish to me. And Greg Dulcich going as tight end 27. Possible, but might be a little optimistic for this year. These are their kind of redraft rankings. I think tight end's still more of a work in progress, especially when you mix in KJ Hamler. And I think they're going to throw a decent amount to the running backs. If you look at that Green Bay system, I think Javante Williams is going to play kind of an Aaron Jones role while Melvin Gordon plays more of an AJ Dillon role. And I think those guys are going to be involved. I just don't think there's maybe enough targets to go around to justify some of the bullishness that's happening right now with their tight ends. Well, last year, Noah Fant in 16 games, 16 starts, had 90 targets, caught 68 passes. So do we think that uh, Albert can can do that this year? Because that left him at, what, uh, 
I'm going to say that the part of the reason that Fant and Alberto were targeted so much is because Noodle Arm Bridgewater couldn't get the ball down the field. Well, when it comes to, let's see, Denver was 24th in pass attempts last year with 541. They were over 130 pass attempts fewer than the Chargers. Um where do you think that number comes in? You think they they break five hundred? You think they or excuse me, yeah. they break six hundred? Think they break six fifty? I mean, I think they'll go they'll go up. Not they don't have to go up a crazy amount. It's also where Russ is going to be able to put the ball. If you look at their wide receiver finishes from from last year, Jerry Judy was wide receiver eighty five. Patrick was forty two. Sutton was forty four. I think they're able to hit those guys and get them more involved. And you don't have somebody who's dumping the ball off short and in the middle a lot. I think targets to running backs might ebb back a little bit, but targets to tight ends. I mean, that's Teddy Bridgewater only had eyes for tight ends. He's not a he was he's fine, but he right. was very so, heavily targeting those positions because we weren't able to go down the field. He wasn't having good success when he tried to go down the field. One thing, Russell Water is hitting those deep balls. So Fant and Albert had a combined 130 targets. I don't think it's out of the question that Albert pushes for 100 targets, uh, especially. Well, I think it is. they were 28th in total plays last year as well. So he, I I feel like they're going to be more efficient. They're going to run more plays. Yes, they're going to have probably more big plays, but they're still going to run more offensive plays. Judy also missed six or seven games. True. But so if their pass attempts go up by 100 and their plays go up by – you know, we'll see, they were at 1036 last year. The Chargers had 1128. So I would guess they're probably going to be pushing 1,080, 1,090 plays, additional plays with a few more pass attempts. Um, so if Albert gets 90 targets in 17 games, I don't think that's out of the question. Uh, but I agree with you. Tim Patrick is the value. He's going to provide uh flex value just about on a weekly basis. Uh, I do think you'll end up with some weeks that you're disappointed. Um, you'll have a KJ Hamler pop off week or something. Uh, but I, I don't think uh I don't think Patrick is gonna have that top end consistency, but I do think he'll be on the field a lot and he'll make some plays. Uh he may be more touchdown reliant than some of the others, but he also does tend to score touchdowns pretty good as well. What did he have for touchdowns last year? Uh, See, so he had five touchdowns. He led the wide receivers in touchdowns. Wilson's never gone over 558 pass attempts either, so you might be projecting a little bit more. Well, but he wants to – you know, part. I think part of his whole thing is I want to go somewhere where I can – pass more. And I, I feel like Hackett coming from uh, the Green Bay offense and Aaron Rodgers sometimes always passing, it seems like. I think he'll be more open to letting Russ pass a little more, especially if he's being successful. Rodgers, 531 pass attempts last year. Yeah, they don't 
pass it as much as I think we think they do. It's just he's so damn efficient, and Devontae Adams is so good. So I don't know what to think about Albert. I I think he's a trap the more I think about him. And maybe I'm reading too much into what Nathaniel Hackett has done in the past because he's never really been a head coach, but he has been an offensive coordinator, and he has called plays in Jacksonville and both Buffalo. In Jacksonville, he had Julius Thomas, and I don't remember the other tight end's name at this point, but one year it was irrelevant. The other year it was actually a decent tight end, but they combined for 80 targets together. This was back in, for those of you who may not remember who Julius Thomas was, I'm pretty sure he came from Denver, if I'm remembering correctly. And when he went to Jackson, it was still somewhat in, he was still somewhat in his prime. A lot of people love that move for him going to Jacksonville. Go over to Buffalo. Name just jumped out of my head because I was looking at the passing attempts here for, am I on Buffalo now? Nope, I'm back on Jacksonville. Uh, I want to say it was possibly Chandler, and I could be wrong on that, but he also had right around 80 targets. I think that's probably what Albert gets. The difference is none of those offensives had three stud wide receivers like Denver has right now. The only one that was close to that was Jacksonville when they had Allen Hearns, Allen Robinson, but that was also the year Allen Robinson got hurt. I think Alberto's kind of a trap here, and I honestly think so is Jerry Judy. And it's maybe it was the Seattle offense. So again, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but we've not seen the slot receivers ever really be that productive with Russell Wilson. I think Jerry Judy is primed to be the slot receiver here due to his size. Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick are both much bigger than him. They're likely going to be the outside wide receivers, which is Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf at Seattle, who saw a ton of success. Both of those guys can play in the short area and go long. So and I that was the roles they played last year, those two outside and Judy in the slot. So that's kind of why I've been out on Judy and Albert O here again. Now, Judy definitely has where did it say? Um, no, it's it's Patrick. My bad. I was mixing him up. Like Patrick, I agree with what both of you said. Like he's the major steal here. Wide receiver sixty three. Like I think I have him in my top thirty right now. And again, I do have Judy lower. I think I have Judy at thirty four. So I don't have him massively lower than the other two. I do expect this offense to be good though, because I do expect them to pass the ball a decent amount. I think five uh, 530 to fifty is probably a fair range for Russ here. Because the one thing I will put into um, at least for me, and some of the stuff that Dennis was mentioning why I think Russ could pass more is the teams they have to play in their own division. All of these teams are likely going to be very good offensively, and I know most of them have good defenses, but if you just look at the AFC in a whole, there's a lot of really good offenses. Is Even though Denver, I think, has improved their offensive line, we'll talk about their two really good running backs here in a minute, while I do think there will be games they'll be able to lean on Javante and Melvin Gordon, I think more often than not they're going to have to lean on Russ, which in which case I do think you see those pass numbers go up a little bit. I don't think he gets to 600, but I do think the 530 to 550 range is fair, and I still think, is it is it crazy to say 70, 80, 90% of that's going to go to those three wide receivers? You're, I'm sure Javante and Melvin Gordon will get some, so I just don't know what to think about Albert. Oh, I think everybody's boosting him up because we've seen Denver talk about him. They like him. We we he tested really good coming out of the combine. I thought he was going to be really good, but I do think just based on Nathaniel Hackett's history as a coach and offensive play caller, that that's a little bit of a trap for me. I would be all in on Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. 
I think they're likely the guys who are going to end up the at the end of the year. I mean, I look like it every single week, but at the end of the year, they'll be the two highest scoring receiving weapons for the Denver Broncos. Dennis. Melvin Gordon re-signed much to Matt Chagrin. He was he was not thrilled about this. He wanted him to go to the Ravens. Um, and and he actually just did uh, we've actually seen a lot of running backs here recently doing these interviews talking about fantasy. Miles Sanders, um, as as Colin and I talked about last night, said, Don't draft me. Where Melvin Gordon came out just a couple days ago and says he believes him and Javante can both rush for a thousand yards of the season. What do you think about Denver's duo in the backfield? Well, before I go there, I think what Miles Sanders was saying was, is don't draft me and then bitch at me because I produce at a level that is yeah. b- dependent upon what the decisions my coach makes. I'm going to go out there and do everything I can, but some things are out of my control. So don't blame me for them, I think is really what Miles Sanders was saying. Well, I you think know, we would all agree that people tagging players on Twitter is pathetic stupid like, yeah just leave them alone but yeah. you know if, if there's somebody like aj Dillon who's playing fantasy or austin eckler who's playing fantasy i think you can tag them you don't tag them and bitch about them because they left you three points short or something yeah. but you can engage with them around fantasy uh you know they both had 900 over 900 yards last year i think being uh you know they 4.4 yards per carry, 4.5 yards per carry. I don't know how much more efficient they're going to get. If they were, if they were to both rush for over a thousand yards, I, you know, they had 203 carries each. That's over 400 carries distributed amongst two, uh, two running backs. I, I don't know how many. I, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be enough meat on the bone for both of them to get over a thousand yards rushing. I could see both of them getting over a thousand yards from scrimmage. Uh, I feel more like I feel we're looking more like seven fifty to eight hundred yards rushing for Melvin, and maybe a thousand yards for Javante, and then a couple hundred, two hundred and fifty or so yards for each of them in the passing game. Maybe a little more for Javante. I do feel like he is ascending a little bit. So if it ended up being a 55, 45, 60, 40, split i'm not going to be surprised theoretically could they both get a thousand sure theoretically they could um but i think with russ coming on board they are going to pass a little bit more um the passing game is going to be a little more explosive and i i don't think that that you know javante williams is going as rb3 in dynasty right now i think that's to me that's kind of bonkers um because if he, if you're taking him as RB three now, you're you're betting on him paying off next year, when we don't know what's going to happen this year. He could stumble and fall, and maybe not have a great second year. Um, so RB three seems like a bit of a stretch, but RB eleven, uh, I I think that's reasonable. Uh, it's not a value. I don't I, I don't think. But I think Melvin at RB37 might be a value. I would think he might be more of a high-end RB3 uh, than a a low-end RB3, high-end RB4. And, and, you know, Melvin's a serviceable back. He's not known for his his historical efficiency, but he's a good professional running back. 
and he's still, uh, you know, he hasn't had a lot of the the severe injuries that have sapped lower body explosion and those types of things. So he still he still can be a productive running back. Um, he just unfortunately has uh, Javante Williams, who's younger and more explosive, in front of him. They'll split time, uh, but I don't think they're both getting a thousand yards, at least not on the ground. I think their ADPs are uh, pretty close to correct. Um, Javante Williams, I think, will be featured more in the red zone. I think he'll be more of the Aaron Jones type, more uh, in the passing game. You saw him start to take the lead in both uh, being the guy they wanted in the red zone and in passing work as the season went on last year. I think he'll see more like 250 carries be between 1,000 and 1,100 yards, and Melvin's going to drop down to more like 150, 160 carries and be closer to 750, 800 yards. I think Javante will end up with more touchdowns and with more targets and receptions. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see what these two do. I mean, last year we know Melvin Gordon started off the year as the starter. Um, as if you if you watched our shows, you famously know had some pretty key fumbles early on that that set off Matt. And it seemed like that kind and of during the middle and later. Yeah. Melvin Gordon hasn't met a situation where you can't say, fuck it, I'm gonna put the ball on the ground and hump my team. And uh, it definitely seemed like that per- propelled Javante into more of the top of the committee. I mean, he finished as RB17 last year and Gordon RB21. I don't think, I actually think this is the same range Gordon will finish. I do agree with Matt. I think Javante will take a more more spearheaded uh, approach on this role. He'll get more carries. He'll get more targets. But I do think, again, with this competitive, not just his division is, but this entire conference, I don't think that they just want to run Javante 90% of the time. I think it's still going to be close to like a 55-45 split, but more as in like Javante maybe just gets a couple extra breathers and maybe Gordon comes in for a series here and there. And so he's getting more carries because he's playing an entire series, but really it's Javante who's still the alpha dog there. I think he's going to get more catches and touchdowns like Matt said. I think he probably jumps up closer to, to 12 to 10. I don't know that he's a top five back this year. Um, I get why people are drafting him as high as they are at three because they're projecting him forward. He does look like he's like a year away from a massive breakout season. So you kind of have to take him early now, right? You can't wait until after the fact. So you've got to take him. But I think Melvin probably has one more good year left. Not great, but good. And I think this is it. I think that's why he re-signed with Denver with Russ coming back. Because I think he sees the writing on the wall of like, this is probably his best chance to get into the playoffs and, and be on a good team. And I do expect Denver to make the playoffs, but I still think Melvin Gordon finishes right around where he did last year and at 2021. Cause I think he'll get catches. He'll get a couple touchdowns here and there. He may not be getting a majority of them like Javante, but I think he gets enough work that he stays fantasy viable. It, it's, and again, if one of those guys gets hurt, I don't think you have, it's going to be hard. I think to, or I guess I'll ask you first, Matt, would you, handcuff them here i mean again gordon going off the board i know you guys mentioned but just to, just to reiterate to everybody rb 37 with a 119.5 adp and javante at rb 11 with a 34.5 i mean would you be willing to handcuff javante with melvin gordon knowing that if javante went down to say for three weeks you could easily plug gordon in and expect close to the same production i think gordon's in the range though where he's going to have standalone value and production that it would be 
you know, when you think about handcuffs, I think about maybe a Khalil Herbert or a Alexander Madison, one of those guys, or even Spiller was going further back than this, where you can get them later in the draft. I think if you want Melvin Gordon, you're going to have to come up. And you could probably have some weeks where you're going to play both of them, but I don't think you can handcuff like that. Yeah, I don't know that um, Gordon will have be consistent. He, I think Gordon will have a okay floor, but do I want to do? I, how often do I want to start a guy with a seven point floor? Yeah, you've got to be in like the leagues where where you're starting like five flexes, and then it's just right. you're starting it because that's all you have left on your team that's worth starting. So yeah, I I figured I just ask. I mean, again, RB thirty seven. I mean one nineteen. Here we go. We're gonna do some quick math again here. I am portable as math. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably better players on the board at that point, but I think if you've got Javante and you feel like your team could compete, I wouldn't hate taking Gordon. Um, but I feel like someone else is going to take him ahead of you in hopes, as Francis, if Dennis took him earlier in the round, Javante, like I could see someone like a Matt Bruning taking Melvin Gordon, like, ha, I got him. And then if Javante gets hurt, I'll trade him to you. And then Dennis is just like, I don't want him. And then I'm just like, well, I just wasted my time for a pick. So, I feel like that's going to happen. But and, well, if okay. one of them does get hurt, though, the other is in great shape because you know what's behind them? Nothing. Jack and shit. And Jack yeah. just left town. <laughs> Mike Boone's not starting for anyone. So if, if, Let's see who's going around them. Where where'd Melvin go here? Um, so Rashad Penny is going the pick before Melvin. We had to get Rashad Penny. <laughs> I'm taking it, would, it would not be a show if Dennis didn't get a penny. Chase out. Edmonds is going the pick before Penny. Christian Kirk is the pick after Gordon. Oh. Chase Claypool, Robert Woods, a couple picks later. Ramondre Stevenson, a few picks later. So basically, Russell you're Gage, saying it's the same. I'm taking part Gordon. Of the draft. I, I, I don't know. Outside I think of I'm Kurt. Russell, I'm going to take Russell Gage over Gordon. I'm going to take Robert yeah. Woods over all those guys. I just don't know that he's going to come back healthy. I do think he's probably going to be Tennessee's wide receiver for one. I think people are overrating Burks, but I think I'd still take Gordon. Pick 131. So he's going about 10 That'll... picks later. I think that'll he'll probably boost up some now that the McLaurin trade didn't happen. Yeah, I think I mean Kirk. I'm interested in because he's shown flashes in Arizona, and I know, I know, but somebody's got to be the. I can't wait for you to end there. up with Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. Be I like, have Christian Kirk. And I, hate I, I your like entire Evan season. Ingram. Every just, every Monday when we have to talk about Jacksonville just pumped highlights, up Evan Ingram last night. Like, somewhere. Look, if you look at that team in the second. And the first half of the season, Lawrence was not bad. Second half, he was pretty bad. I think he had like two touchdowns and like eight interceptions. It was not pretty. But I really think a lot of that was Urban Meyer and that horrible offense. As much as I dislike the Clemson Tigers, I cannot say that Trevor Lawrence is a bad quarterback prospect. But it seemed like Lawrence played worse after they fired Meyer. Well, yeah. I, I mean, not everybody can be rich. Scandarello, did I say it right? Skangarello. Skangarello. That just sounds bad. I don't. I, I'm saying. I feel like I'm saying. I'm. I'm emphasizing the wrong part of his last name. So we're gonna go with Rich. Rich. Right. I forgot Rich. he was. He was their offense coordinator. No, he, no, no. I was. No, I was I think he's our, Rich Bisaccia. Is that who you're talking no, about? No, no, no. I'm talking about the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Raiders. Rich Bisaccia. Bisaccia. Okay. That guy. Skangarello was the old offensive coordinator for Denver under Vic Fangio. 
it all comes back around, right? That's what I was really talking about. Now, I was bringing up the Raiders part because not everybody can handle a fallout like that and keep a team together and have a leader like Derek Carr was as well. Trevor Lawrence's first year in the NFL, I wasn't expecting him to be a leader. No, their offensive coordinator was a dude who was in Seattle who's been running the offense since the 1860s, and I can't remember what Daryl Bevel. So it, it was horrible. Like, Trevor Lawrence was set up to fail, and I don't want to give him a complete pass, but I do think it's fair to say that he could take a step forward this year. They have, like, LaVisca Chenault's not it, people. Like, let's just get over it. It's not happening. Stop trying to make LaVisca Chenault happen. It's not going to happen. If you look at Christian Kirk, he's actually good at the beginning parts of the seasons. When does he fall off? Either after he gets injured or on the second half of the season, which we finally found out that's a fall off to Cliff Kingsbury, where the whole team falls off in the second half. So I actually think paired with a guy like Trevor Lawrence, Kirk could be good. He's the only one I would take over Melvin Gordon, though, to getting back to that. I think they're both going to be very, very good. The over-under for the Denver Broncos is set at 10. We've taken the overs for every single one. No, we took the under for the Raiders, didn't we? So we've taken the over for the Broncos and the Chargers. Actually, I think I took a slight under or maybe a slight over for the Chiefs. They were 10 and a half. Yeah, yeah, we all want, we all kind of went, well, 11 sounds plausible. I mean, that's how I feel about Denver, too, because I think all three of these top teams in the AFC West that will probably make the playoffs are all the, – the Denver one scares me the most because 10 or 11 wins feels about right, so I'll take the slight over and hope they get to 11. I think – yeah, I feel like 10 is the number, and that's yeah. that, that makes it hard. And so, you know, with, with my – commitment phobia um I, i'll give him I, i'm gonna get go with 11 because matt's my friend i'm gonna take the over and i'm a, I'm amending my not that it matters not like we're keeping track i'm amending my chiefs i think they go under i think she's gonna take a step i i think see i think there's a world in which the chargers win 12 and the chiefs and broncos both win 11 and the Raiders end up winning like nine. I think the AFC West is going to – now, when we get to some of these other divisions and we see some of their over-enders, I don't think we'll all be taking the overs. In fact, I well, saw one that's coming up on Monday that I guarantee I'm not taking the over. I mean, it's interesting because the Chiefs, as good as they've been the past couple of years, they've been right around the 11 and 12 mark, right? Like they, they've had – but they've always lost – a game or two in division to these teams that have not been better. And now all of a sudden, all three of these teams are much better. And I don't know that the chiefs have done much to help. Like they lost their best offensive weapon. I don't think their defense has really improved. I don't think their running game is much better. Like they've got Patrick Mahomes, who is going to save them a lot because of how damn good he is. I think there's a realistic shot. They take a step back, but yeah. Fox, let me ask you this question. Is there any value to grabbing KJ Hamler super late? He's going off his wide receiver 89, pick 219 in redraft. Is he gonna is he gonna provide anything other than special teams value? Uh first of all, I don't think they'll have to Montreal uh Washington or whatever his name was. Um I like KJ Hamler's potential I have since they drafted him. The real problem is he cannot stay on the field. And the other problem was the last two years, they didn't have anybody who could get him the ball. But the bigger problem was staying on the field. I have him in a lot of places where I take him end of roster kind of player. And 
I my hesitation is outside of there being an injury, or is there going to be a week where you feel confident starting it? That's really my question. You know, if can he be that guy, that that deep threat, and, instead of Jerry Judy, is he gonna? Can he step over? Judy's him? not the deep threat. When they want to go deep, they go to Sutton or Patrick because those guys are the ones that go down and go up. Hamler's more of a trick play kind of deep ball. So would you take him in best ball? I've been meeting. Yes, ask yes, that. yes. Hamler's an ideal end of the roster best ball player to me because there are probably games where you get nothing, but there might be a game where he MVSs for you and. Gets oh, like two we, passes for 71 yards and two touchdowns. We got to start turning that into a verb. I am. I'm going to MVS all over the place. All right. So that will do it for us today. We've completed the AFC West. We are moving on to the NFC West on Monday, July 4th, Independence Day. We were talking about the Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champions, Los Angeles Cardinals, and the team. Los we Angeles just- Rams. Ah, Cardinals, whatever, same difference. We'll talk about the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. I was getting to the point where, like, I I just waxed poetic about Christian Kirk. I'm going to say wonderful things about the Arizona Cardinals. So we'll talk about both of those possibly earlier than usual. I don't know. We'll discuss off air. We're like, what, three weeks away from the Cleveland Rams preview? From the Boston Braves? Nah. The Cleveland Steamers, maybe, with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. I'm not looking forward to that at all. It's going to be why we couldn't just like just skip that altogether. There's a couple teams we could just skip and not talk about, and I feel like Cleveland's one of them. So, But anyways, we'll be back on Monday. If you're following me on Twitter, don't read too much into all the emojis I'm going to be posting here over the next four hours as I get dive into Stranger Things. No context included, but they'll probably be crying. I've already got my tub of ice cream. It's going to be bad. Have you watched it yet, Matt? No, I'm waiting. No. In fact, the wife and I are about to leave to go watch Elvis, so I'll probably watch it oh, tomorrow. Nice. I want to save it. They said five people die, and I'm not emotionally No! Why would you tell that. me that? I have a date tomorrow, and that's going to be horrible, because all I'm going to do is think about all that crap. No, that's what the Duffers said. I But defying five people, it could be five. It's not. Russian guard. Real quick, quick prediction before we get out of here. Who do you think dies? Just give me one. Sadie Sink. Um, it's the red-haired girl. I can't remember her character. Max, name right no, now. I love Max. It can't be Max or Steve. It, he won't see me back. Look, anymore. after the false start of season three, if they're going to do one, it has to be meaningful. Or else they'll lose yeah, all their that's audience. that's why it better well. not be Max or Steve. I don't care about any of the other characters. I don't think it'll be Steve. I, I think, I, but I'm I think gonna it's going to be. Know now. It's going to be one of the younger kids. If Steve goes, we riot. Prepare for glory! Come on up, you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play?